Welcome to Tournament in a Tea Break. I'm Roz Sattar. I'm Chris Otto. And we are almost in double figures. We've just closed out day nine of the championships at Wimbledon. Yeah, we did. And uh, I think it's fair to say it's a pretty big day. Yeah, a little bit of a shocking day. Always crazy when Federer goes out and he's gone out. Bye-bye, Roger. So, did you see that coming? No, I... You know, before the tournament, I just had a feeling that it would be hard for Federer to, to win Wimbledon again. I thought it was going to be Chilich. So in the semis that would take him out, I didn't really think that he was in bad form. I think he's playing great. I just had a feeling that it's not easy to win majors over and over and over again. And that's that we saw that today. Kevin Anderson was the better player. Kevin Anderson came back from two sets down, played brilliantly to achieve a momentous victory for him and there wasn't a lot that Federer could have done about it. I mean, most people that saw that match think that Roger did pretty well. It just he just was beaten by the better player. Yeah, I mean, he he was two sets um up and he had a match point in the third that Kevin Anderson saved. Uh and routinely then, with a big serve. Yep. And and then basically from that point on, I, I just think that Anderson had that sense of belief. And I mean, he spoke about it a little bit in his press conference that in the past he felt that he'd been maybe guilty of being beaten by the name, I guess. Yep. And we've seen this happen before with Roger, with Rafa, with Serena. As soon as somebody walks on court, they're beat. Or they have that mentality of, I'm I'm just honoured to be on the same court as you. No, you're not honoured to be on the same court as them. You're there to beat them. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what what, uh, what Anderson does. Uh, I mean, it was in, I spoke to a fellow journalist who said that she, she saw um, Federer and Haller and said that he looked exhausted and that she felt that if Anderson could drag him to drop a set, if not two sets, then... Fatigue and stamina would be an issue, and I think probably she was right. I mean, he denied it, but you know, I just wonder whether you know it just took one little lapse for Anderson, and it was literally one little lapse. Once they got to six six, there wasn't any other break points except that one. Yeah, I, you know, I think Roger played pretty well in the fifth for for most of it. It looked like he was going to be the player to get that win for a lot of it. It seemed like he was building something, playing playing very cleanly, but. Just one of those things, you know, grass court tennis. It comes down to one shot. Yeah, and, you know, like he said, the, that fifth set was actually basically the length of two sets, yeah. pretty much. Um, so, yeah, he's gone, uh, which... The favorite is gone. So it's wide <laughs> It's wide open now, and, of course, semifinal with, between Rafa and, and Novak. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. So maybe if you're sad, Federer's gone... It's understandable, I think, for the excitement level. It dips a little bit, but wow, that semifinal between those two. Their 50-second meeting. <laughs> I know, it's like crazy, right? Uh, I mean, Nadal, this was, the, I think it's fair to say this is the first time Nadal was actually tested. Um, some of the some of the level of tennis between him and Del Potro was incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there was some amazing, right? In fact, I saw... Del Potro on the floor more than I saw Tsitsipas on the floor and that's saying something because <laughs> Tsitsipas was on the floor like every available opportunity he would be diving left and right also in the crowd was Rafa yeah that little old lady got an <laughs> eyeful that's for sure wow <laughs> she's not going to forget when the sweaty Spaniard like threw himself all over her but anyway um now the the, the 
this was this was the first time I, I saw Nadal, I think, tested. First time I saw him agitated, he was squawking at his box and just generally being a bit cranky. Um, this was a big test. And I think with Djokovic playing the way that he's playing, and he's, by his own admission, said that he feels that he's getting pretty close to to where he wants to be, you know, when he was in that kind of slam-winning form. I think that's pretty ominous. I think it is. I think it shapes up to be a great match between these guys. I think if they met again on clay, I'd favor Nadal heavily, even though I consider Djokovic to be an awesome clay court player. But on this surface, I think that favors Djokovic. But I think Nadal is a little bit more informed confidence-wise. He's been doing great. He just won a major. He just won his 17th. So I see it as a complete coin flip, a complete – it's going to be – I think it's going to be better than the match we just saw between Nadal oh, yeah. and Del Potro, which is going to be it's a very difficult match to top. But I think it's I going to it. be I think it's going to be the epitome of a semi-final where they want it so much you're actually going to see effectively the de facto final. Yeah, it, because right, let's let's be let's be honest. I mean, you know, I, I I feel so strongly about this. I'm not even going to have a graphic for this. <laughs> Kevin Anderson is going to meet John Isner in the other semi-final, yeah. which to me, I mean, I love. The variety that Kevin's tried to add to his game. I love the fact that Kevin is, as Kevin does, he's a, he's a genuinely nice guy. And I really do want him to come through and make his second final. But, yeah, that, that semi-final is going to be terrible. I'm sorry, it's just going to be awful. It's going to not be the easiest final on the eyes. It's going to be big serving. It's going to be short points. It's going to be a lot like what we just saw with John Isner and Milos Raonic today. It's couple tiebreakers and then some momentum swings in, in, in Isner's direction in today's match. Uh, Raonic carrying a bit of an injury on the thigh, and, and that was it. But, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting. And, the, God, the crowd was very small. With, with the England World Cup go- game yeah. going on, there were uh, it was less than half full for a men's quarterfinal at yeah. Wimbledon. It was, it was strange. Yeah, but hardly surprising, I think. I mean, they sort of banged through stuff as, as quickly as they did. I You know, I, I think... Um, I think most people will be rooting for Kevin. You know, it's, it's kind of that mentality of if you put the favourite out, then you better go on and win the thing. Yeah, I, I think he's 3-8 three, three and eight against Isner. I don't think you... I think you throw that out the window because yeah. Isner's in great form. He's... This is his 41st major. He's made his first semifinal, so he's obviously doing something right here. Yeah. He never made it past the third round. He, everybody thought this guy would be a good, dangerous player on the mm. grass. And yeah, he's always been dangerous, but he's never been good... And somehow something's clicked for him where he's he's just able to just power through. He hasn't been broken. The only guy left at Wimbledon from the 128 male players in the draw that has yet to be broken. And we could add the 128 female players as well in singles. So that's a nice achievement. He's, yeah. he's unbreakable right now. So Anderson better be ready to win some tiebreakers. Yeah, yeah. But still, it's not going to be a great match. I hear you. Let's try to embrace it, though. Let's, yeah, let's let, let's let, let's instead just go and have like strawberries and maybe okay, wander around, okay, the, okay. around the outside. Okay, <laughs> um, of course the big day tomorrow is the women's semifinals. Oh yeah, and can't wait. That's I, I think we're in for certainly one corker and and a, an intriguing match for probably different reasons. So first up will be um, Yelena Ostapenko against Angelique Kerber. Uh, Ostapenko, obviously a surprise Grand Slam winner last year. Her game is built for grass. She's really enjoying being on the grass, which I think makes her doubly dangerous because she's loving what she's doing out here. Uh, Angie hasn't looked happy, but I think is happy-ish on the grass. 
but she looks so stressed all the time it's difficult to know whether she you know whether that stress and expectation on her she's the highest seed left standing she's a former finalist all this stuff is being weighed down on her shoulders is she going to be able to rise above I'm going to go out on a limb and say she is because she's got the experience and I think because she can play defensively even though she wants to play aggressively she's going to make Ostapenko play an extra ball and coax the errors out of out of her that's what I want to see happen I think from an experience standpoint yeah she's she's in great shape here she's, she's always been good at Wimbledon she's played so many Grand Slam semi-finals she's playing a young kid who can at times be inconsistent uh, but I this is I'm salivating over this matchup because like I know it's what, quite disgusting actually. Uh, what we talked about though with the what needs to be done for Kerber to win. You know Kerber actually has 68 forehand winners in this tournament more than anybody else on the female side on the women's side, which I think is amazing. And I think she's doing it with the down the line forehand. She's able to twist these rallies up and create that opening. And that whip. It, it's, been, it's been great. So she's going to need that shot against Ostapenko. She's had a lot of difficulty holding serve, only holding 73% of her games, but Ostapenko has not been great on serve either, so it's going to be... Oh, a... really? Ostapenko has held 77%. She's just been breaking, like, like out of oh, control. Okay. She's uh, She's got 24 return winners, which leads all players. She has won 72% of her second serve return points. She's, I mean, she basically just threw Sibokova for a loop in that last match. She didn't know what to do on serve. She was so nervous about missing her first serve and then because she knew she would get pummeled on the second serve so Kerber's going to have to watch out for that because we know that she's not really she doesn't have a lot of velocity on her serve and her second serve is vulnerable there's going to be a lot of breaks in this match and and Angelique will have to get her share of them in order to make it close I think but but again like the experience the forehand down the line the tactics a lot of it's in her favor I see it as a toss-up it's hard to say I mean, I think one of the things that that, that strikes me about um, Kerber is that she what she's proved this this tournament is that she's better, or certainly in the grass court season, is she's better at coming from behind. If she if her backs up against the wall, it brings out some of her best scrappy tennis, uh, and she forgets about playing nicely and just just goes out all claws out. I think she's going to have to do that. I think Ostapenko is going to sort of be running like you say pummeling her second serves because the, the trouble with Angie is she's a lefty so she should be making that lefty serve work for her but she doesn't she treats it as the thing that starts the match and she doesn't really try and score those three points that she can score with that lefty serve mm-hmm. so if she can try and do that a little bit more and also just dig in from behind because when she comes from behind she will make Ostapenko run and run and run. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's that's a good one. Then that's followed by Yulia Gerges and Serena Williams. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gerges is another one that um, she's had to learn to accept the grass. You know, be at one with the grass. Uh, and I was talking to a German colleague, actually, who said that, you know, for her, it was very much kind of, what she hated about the grass is it's so unpredictable. It makes your strokes look ungainly. I was going to say ugly, but that's not the word I'm looking for. It's ungainly. Right, ungainly. So you're kind of at all kinds of twisted angles and 
frying pan shots and all kinds of things just to deal that. with the fans. Yeah. And she doesn't like that. And so they they brought in a coach, a Dave, you know, former Davis Cup player, who was basically saying, you've got to accept that the grass is going to chuck up some bounces. And sometimes you can be doing everything right. Your approach, you know, your approach, your tactics, your mind, in your mind what shot you want to play. And it won't matter because it'll just bounce out or, you know, bounce off here somewhere and you'll make you look like a Muppet. Um, I'm pretty sure we didn't use those words exactly, but, you know, you're going to look foolish. Um, and you've got to accept that. And once you accept that, you can play. And she actually said that. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think because she goes for her shots a lot, um, she's prone to errors. And I think if Serena can be a little steadier, although let's face it, Serena can be prone to a few howlers as well. Yeah. Um, if she can, If she can be a little steadier, um, and also Yulia's another one of these, I'm just going to be honoured to be on the court with her, which I think doesn't all go well for her. Let's hope she's not like that. Um, I think the coach you were referring to is David Prinisol. That's I, the guy. Who I haven't, haven't heard of before this week. I looked him up today. He, he made the round of 16 at Wimbledon at some point, so he clearly knows a bit of, a a bit thing, about thing or two about the grass. Um, but she has been awesome in this tournament. Weak spot is that she's only won 30% of her return games. She's facing the best server in the women's game. It's going to be a... It's yeah. Well, Serena hasn't returned well yet, but okay. but we know Serena goes level by level, notch by notch. She's going to be I think she's going to be in scary good form tomorrow. It's going to be really tough for Yulia to to eke out some breaks, but she has to. She has to find a way somehow to get one or two and then she has to serve magnificently cuz this is not going to be a sloppy, sketchy match where you can fall behind 3 nothing and you get back in it. You fall behind by a break by Serena, it's like you're, you're in big set. trouble and you better really find it. You better get mm. get on your horse on the return game soon. It's a really bad matchup for her. Let's hope she plays well and it's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, what we don't want is for her to be pummeled off the court. We've seen it happen with Vesnina before. We've seen yep. it happen with Rabarakova where they just get absolutely blasted off the court completely and, you know... And it and it leads to that criticism of oh my god you know this is this is the women's game, um, but yeah I think it's going to be a tough one so I think we're saying Kerber and Williams yeah definitely I will say that uh, Gerges has served well and has won eighty three percent of service games and. We saw Georgie serve really well against Serena and make it a very competitive match. So let's hope we see something like that. But yes, Serena, of course. We're voting for Serena to win her 20th in a row at Wimbledon and close in on the 24th major title. Wow. Oh, if she does that, I think there'll be a lot of happy people. Okay, well, are we going to see you tomorrow? Yes, we are going to see you tomorrow. We are. Okay, so tomorrow we will talk about... The well, the women's final lineup, and we'll um we'll go into delve a little bit more in the men. We're just trucking right along. We are, we are. It's kind of sad. We yep. get we get we're getting to the stage where it's going to be over soon. Yeah, just a few matches left. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, well, thank you again for listening to us. You have been listening to Ros Sato from Britwatch Sports and Chris Otto from Tennis Now. Toodaloo. Bye bye. <laughs>